Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness, all the way to relationship, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is to empower you to be your best self, become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. You can do this. Now it's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life on My Terms podcast. Um, It is a beautiful summer day. It is July 2023. Wild how quick the year has flown by. Once again, we are halfway through and I hope everybody is back for more um, growth today. I appreciate everybody who tunes into the podcast to better themselves and just restore some sort of balance in their lives. I think this is just so important that we continue to show up for ourselves. Um, I'm really looking forward to today's episode because it's funny, everybody thinks I'm the only burnout coach that exists, but um, that is not true. Um, I'm actually really excited today to talk to Alex Stark who is um, a burnout coach that's dedicated to helping high achieving women, especially moms and executive leadership and business owners succeed at work while staying present, being connected at home and leading fulfilled, balanced lives. Um, She is really got a lot of good tips today about moms specifically Um, about why they're more susceptible to burnout and what burnout prevention can look like for moms. Um, I think that whether you are a mom in executive leadership or you're simply a mom, um, it's a little harder to put yourself first and um, avoid burning out. We see moms burning out so much more than anyone, especially those that are juggling a career. And so I am really excited to dig into today's episode. So let's go. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. How are you doing today? Hey, good, Amy. Doing so good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So excited you are here. Um, As we always start, give the listeners a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, as you said, my name is Alex Stark. I'm a licensed therapist and an executive burnout coach. Um, I have a multi-state private practice where I help high achieving women find balance and work specifically with moms and executive leadership. I'm also a mom of two young girls um, and I live in Southern Missouri. Love it. Love it. And listeners can hear that Alex is also a burnout coach. Um, I don't know why, but people think I'm like the only one that exists. So I really like to ensure that we have this troop of people that are solving burnout and increasing balance in mental fitness in people's lives. So, so glad you're doing this work as well. Thank you. You I'm so happy we found each other. <laughs> yes. We have to join forces yeah. at this yes, point. I know. It's such important work. Well, I, um, I'm really interested to start the conversation from your perspective of as a therapist. Um, I know that 
burnout sometimes it's extremely difficult when we want to even I mean, I know in Germany, actually, they've made some big, some big leaps and bounds, like folks can actually go take short term disability for burnout. But that doesn't seem to be the case very much in the United States. And so I'd love for your you to kind of talk about your perspective as a therapist. And why did you really struggle to solve burnout for folks? Sure. That's a great question. And, and you're spot on. I mean, it, it is kind of getting a little bit more mainstream and people are talking about it more, which I think is amazing. Um, what I found in practice is that, you know, since I work with high achieving women who are, who are moms, they're, they're coming in to therapy, um, thinking that they need to solve this, you know, really major crucial mental health concern. And as I'm getting to know them a little bit more and kind of digging in and figuring out about their lives and kind of what's going on, you know, I'm saying, okay, this isn't a mental health diagnosis, right? This isn't major depressive disorder. This isn't generalized anxiety disorder. Um, we're looking through, you know, criteria and, you know, as, as I'm sure you may know in the United States, at least you, you do need a mental health diagnosis for your insurance to pay for therapy. Yep. So you know, some, some people are lucky and lucky enough to not have to do that and they can pay out of pocket. But for those who do want to use their insurance, which many people do, you need this kind of label and this trigger. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, how, how can we, how can I do this? How can we, you know, make this work? So we're I'm knowing, getting to know these women and recognizing that what they're experiencing is burnout. Um, not, and there's, there's a lot that kind of overlaps. A lot of the symptoms sometimes overlap, but what, what I found was prim primarily the woman who I was seeing, who I um, have seen and are seeing it's it's burnout, not a, you know, crucial mental health diagnosis. Yeah, I, I was, I suppose, in the same seat as a lot of your previous clients. You know, mm -hmm. I remember last year going for a session for the first time and having a therapist tell me like, no, sorry, I don't think you're clinically depressed or you actually have generalized anxiety where I could have argued with them until the end of time right then. Right. Cause I certainly felt depressed mm -hmm. and I literally was having panic attacks every day, mm -hmm. but it was more of the essence of like, can I start to remove the stress from my life? And is that actually going to help these symptoms. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. And a lot of, you know, women who come in, I mean, obviously nobody wants to feel that way. Um, but they don't know where to start and what they've, you know, learned so far from, I don't know, Googling things or talking to people it's okay. Well, you know, just quit your job or just turn off your notifications on your phone or just say no. And it's just so much more than that. So when they're really, I'm sure you see that too a lot in your practice, but, you know, focusing on the, the underlying cause is huge and helping people understand the difference between burnout and, you know, mental health diagnosis, I think is, is a huge step. I love that. Okay. So I want to just detour a little bit here really fast because I think that there's been more and more research, which I'm super happy about lately, just about how stress itself is like an epidemic. Um, not necessarily the good stress that we should experience as humans, but this chronic unmanaged stress that's just constantly sitting with, especially folks with burnout that are literally every single day, they're almost in fight or flight all mm -hmm. day long, if not partly through the day. So I'm wondering from your perspective, from your practice, what are you seeing as far as like the actual impacts of stress as it relates to physical, mental, emotional health? Right. So huge. I mean, I would even say that it's like a super, you know, varied, like two prong, like you, you see the physical health piece 
so much. Um, you know, women saying, I have headaches, I can't sleep, I'm, my weight is fluctuating, um, my back hurts, my, my whole body hurts, I, you know, I'm so tired, but I can't sleep, um, no desire for intimacy, I mean, just completely removed from their partner, um, their kids kind of feeling like they just want to sit on the couch and like scroll on their phone and just kind of disconnect because they don't have kind of anything left in them to give. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course, emotionally, just, you know, that, that this emotional disconnect just kind of feeling like it's Groundhog's Day, right? Okay. Like we got to make it through the day. Like we're going to check off the list. Like we're going to keep checking our boxes and we're going to do it and we're probably going to do it well, but it's just going to take everything that you possibly have to give. Yeah. It's brutal, isn't it? It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to like sit with these folks and be like, oh man, this is a lot. That stress has done a lot to you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's wild. You know, I wonder too, if you, one of the most interesting signs I see is like escape fantasies. It's like these folks are like so desperate. They like either want to flee or they're like, I, I just need to get out of this. And it's so interesting because um, that to me is one of the most unique signs with burnout is this like, I remember when I would hear certain um, requests there at the end when I was literally just so unhinged, it was, uh, it was just incredible. I would almost like want, I would be like, should I hide from someone? Can I hide from someone? If I never mm -hmm. answer these folks back, is that the answer? Um, so I wonder if you also experience like these executive women that yeah. from the outside, they've got it like all together. And some people are looking at them like, oh my gosh, I want to be in her level someday. Meanwhile, inside they're completely becoming unhinged. Yes. Oh my gosh, Amy. Yes. I mean, that, that would be the perfect example of like the flight part of fight or flight, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just like, like the kind of like the hide under my desk syndrome. You know, you have these women who are, you know, CEOs and of corporations who are, who have worked so hard for so long and are just telling me, I want to be a greeter at Walmart. Like, I don't even care. I just, <laughs> yes. you know, I want to go make cocktails in a deserted island in the Bahamas. Like, I just can't do this for one more second. You know, so a lot of that just like anything sounds better than what you're doing now. It doesn't mean if I have to get paid, you know, $5 an hour, it doesn't mean if I have to give up everything. It doesn't matter. All I want is to feel better. And whatever that means, you know, I'll, I'll do it. I am so glad you brought up, I just want to be a greeter at Walmart because like I've been there. Me I've actually too. been there myself. And I um, I think it's funny, but before um, I really want to dig into the mom component for a while, but before we go there, um, I'm really curious just to get your perspective to a little bit about um, kind of like what's going on in with the, so we have, we have folks all the time, I guess, let me rephrase this. We have folks all the time that are like looking at somebody like Steve Jobs. They're looking at Bill Gates. They're, we look at these people like they're heroes or, oh, that must be what success looks like. But can you just share from the inside, like what these folks are really like some of the sacrifices they're having to make and how they're not always so happy, so joyful, just because they're making maybe 400,000 or multiple, you know, they're making those salaries. Mm -hmm. I think we're chasing as, as, you know, middle class. Right. And so I, I just wonder if you could have the inside scoop of maybe some of the struggles that come with that success that we look at from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think that we're chasing the wrong thing, honestly. 
I mean, if you see, you know, somebody who's a multi-billionaire and it looks like they've got it all together. I mean, think about, first of all, think about how much they've sacrificed as far as family, personal commitments, um, you know, what the, and they have, you have to remember a team of thousands of people helping them doing what they're doing today, right? Everywhere from, you know, changing the oil in their car to picking up their groceries, to scheduling their appointments, to probably picking out their outfits in the morning, to maybe even helping them get ready during, you know, and brushing their teeth for them. So it's like, they, you know, they have all these people doing all the things and the sacrifice. I mean, you know, you've never seen, usually it's, it's the, the people who have that type of success are kind of in the success solo you never see, you know, interviews with their families and their friends and their extended family. It's usually just them kind of doing it solo, which would make me think that that's kind of how their life has always been just a little bit solo and probably pretty lonely. And if you look at like the difference, I'm sure you've seen the research on like, just like cultural differences between how we work in the United States versus other countries. I mean, even the most successful people, the most successful, which is relative in different countries, but in, in other cultures, they're not working like we're working. They're not, they're not chasing the dollars. They're not chasing, they're chasing flexibility and freedom and balance and, um, you know, just time with their families and those month long vacations that everybody seems to get except for us. So, you know, it's very different. Yeah. I think the most interesting dynamic I've ever seen as a consultant is working at this company that was founded in Finland. And then they branched over to the U.S. based out of San Francisco. And it was like two worlds. You've got the folks in Finland that have work-life balance. They're off all summer, mandated by the country. Then you've got the folks in the United States that are working 14-hour days. And they're also so disgruntled because they're watching their teammates on the other side of the world taking an entire summer off. Yes. And so I couldn't understand why the company couldn't just figure out a way to blend the two, but we really just don't have that in the American DNA right now. It's like no. hustle culture, rising no. grind. Yes. Yes. Money, I always money, like to say, yes. I, I always like to say the hustle culture is fake news. That's like my yeah. thing that I will say my, my, um, my husband and I lived in in Panama out of the country for a year before we got married and we managed uh, a floating fishing lodge there. Okay. And uh, they, they had a, a rule there where they, the employees all got, in addition to all of their, you know, paid time off and PTO and holidays, they all got a month off paid. It didn't matter what position, you didn't have to be executive, you didn't have to be this, you, it didn't matter. If you lived in the country, you knew you were going to receive a month of paid time off in addition to all of your other benefits because that was your time to rest. Yeah. And I just think, gosh, we, I don't know how many more data points have to come out mm-hmm. to show the correlation to productivity. But mm-hmm. now we are, cho- we have to be the ones to say, well, I'll take my PTO days if I even have any. Mm-hmm. And then there's this sometimes guilt built into the culture that it's like, well, really, I, I can't take these PTO days because we're on deadlines and I need to be here. There's nobody to back me up because we already just laid off seven people. Now I'm a team of two. Of course. I mean, it's wild. Some of it's, these it, it is. It is. It is the age old. Like, well, if I'm not going to do it, then who else is going to do it? <laughs> you know, I mean, 
That's I, I see that a, a lot with with the moms a, a lot. I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of a feeling kind of they have to do it all. They have to do all the things um, they're taking care of their families the same way they're taking care of their their teams, um, kind of doing it all and, and feeling like if they don't, then well, who else is going to do it? Yeah, I think that's a beautiful segue because I did want to focus on moms a little bit more today um, because I think we just, we really hear right now so much about like work burnout and overload burnout, but sometimes we loop in the mom and the professional setting, but just moms in general, what about their lifestyle and behaviors makes them more susceptible to burnout? I would say that they're taking on so much. Um, moms have a tendency to kind of put themselves last, you know, even making sure that, you know, the, the kids have what they need, the partner has what they need, you know, the dog has food, the cat's fed, you know, the long guy's been paid. I mean, like everything kind of has to happen. And then the mom will say, okay, it's time for me to take care of myself. And a lot of times it's, there is, there isn't that time. Um, so kind of putting themselves last and usually, you know, the way that we talk about self-care, I think is a little, not really that realistic, you know, it's not going to get a quarterly, you know, mani petty. That's not really self-care, right? Yeah. Self-care is just more of like a hygiene routine that we kind of have added into our lives, but we have to be able to, to, to know how to do that and to learn how to make that part of our lives. Um, also a lot of like mental load on moms, you know, not just the task-based things, but thinking that I know a lot of moms just are constantly kind of going over the things. They know the information about the family that maybe the other person doesn't know. Um, you know, this is not all, this is not all families. This yeah. is just kind of a generalization. Mm -hmm. So I know that there's, you know, tons of dads out there that have, that, that know this, but a lot of times it does fall, you know, on the moms to know, for example, what's the phone number to the pediatrician and what size shirt does so-and-so wear, right? And what, what, where's the list that we need for supplies for a second grade that we have to go buy? So just kind of like those little things and so-and-so has a birthday party and like we're almost out of ketchup and all those little things that we kind of like tend to just have this running dialogue in our brains that takes up a lot of space. Um, and just also kind of feeling like they don't have a big support system. You know, they say like it takes a village, but there's really not that much of a village going on all the time. Sometimes women don't have supportive friends or they don't have family members around. So they really are trying to kind of do it all on their own um, and feeling like they can't or shouldn't ask for help because that would mean that they aren't a good mom or that, you know, a little bit of shame surrounding that. Yeah, that's got to be a, a hard one there that they're almost um, like having a self-fulfilling prophecy of like not being a good mom when they mm -hmm. ask for help or when they reach out when we know that that's not true, but that's hard. That's a hard mindset to shake. And then I wonder how like social media layers into this, you know, maybe watching folks that might be, you might've met at school or your friends from college that have similar lifestyles as you, mm -hmm. like trying to keep up with the Joneses sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, social media is, is, I mean, huge, huge plays so huge into it. I think in, in really all aspects of our lives, right? I mean, we, we know it's a highlight reel, like, yes, rationally, yeah. we know that everybody's putting their best stuff out there, but I think just to kind of, and, and a lot of moms do disconnect by doing a lot of scrolling. So, mm -hmm. but when they're scrolling, it's kind of like that double-edged sword because they're seeing all of the things and all of the people and all of the things, you know, the houses that people are buying and the jobs that people are getting and all, all the things that make something, maybe I, I don't have that. And that's, you know, makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's wild. Um, it was funny. I was interviewing my, my grandma just for fun the other day, just asking her like 
she was the typical, you know, fifties mm -hmm. mom, multiple kids, no job, but that was her full-time mm -hmm. job. And I even was talking to her about her experiencing burnt out or burnout without having this corporate layer. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can assume that most stay-at-home moms, if they have these, they start to build these habits into their life where they're not asking for help and they're kind of chasing busy and, mm -hmm. and not putting themselves first, they're likely to also definitely experience burnout for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, it doesn't have a, doesn't have to be corporate moms or moms even, you know, working outside of the home. I mean, I think it's just how you approach motherhood and what yeah. you think you're supposed to do and yep. what you think that like the rules are. I know it's so funny too, because I, sometimes I'm like, I'm so appreciative of the education, like the accessibility of, of information now, but I know when I was raising my son, he's almost 21, but when I was raising him, there was like this super popular book and we would read it. And that was like, I was going through that, like it was a Bible. And mm -hmm. now you're looking at everything I did for Austin. And it's like all this new information's out there of like everything I did was like not appropriate. It was not okay to do. And so it's just like, even that part is exhausting. It's like, who do you even trust? What do you trust? It's oh my like gosh. Maddening. Yes. I know. I know. That's so wild that you say that because literally one one thing that I say all the time to my clients is like, pick like two resources. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Like, please don't Google anything. Please don't be by, you know, just looking at articles all day long. Don't do it. Don't go, don't sign up for the mommy blogs. Like don't do it. Pick two really, really reputable, whatever the subject is that they're thinking about, you know, wanting to learn about or particulars about their parenting and then stick to it. You're going to, I mean, you're going to absolutely drive yourself wild. I love that suggestion. I am so glad you're doing that. Cause yeah, I was like, if I was a mom, like right now, oh I don't gosh. know if I could do it just from the information overload. It's too much. It's it's, and it's, and honestly, most of it's trash. Right. And so really. everything conflicts. It's like conflicting, mm -hmm. you know, interests. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad you, that's great advice. I'm so glad to hear you, you say that. So when we do layer on now the working moms in leadership or moms like working up that career ladder, um, what does this typically look like? How is burnout kind of like creeping in? I would say like a lot of the time, this is a persona that is extremely susceptible to burnout. Yes. Yeah. So there's a really, so great question, first of all, and there's a huge connection between perfectionism and burnout, especially in yeah. moms and executive leadership roles right? You have to kind of think of the, the personality style of somebody who has wanted that and who has achieved that in their life. You know, somebody who's go, go, go perfectionism, um, you know, probably always striving for the next thing. Yeah. A lot of times when I talk with moms who are in executive roles, they've had some other kind of really big success earlier in their life. And like, let's say they were played sports in college or, you know, they were on this, you know, state level, something, something team, or, you know, so they've had, they've kind of had these big milestones in their lives where they're achieving these big things. And they've learned that, uh, that brings them kind of this like internal validation, right? So they're, they're reaching this next thing. They're getting the promotion, they're getting the raise, they're working for their dream company. And each time they reach that milestone, they, they achieve this like internal, like, ah, like I did it, you know, like I got it. But then it's very quickly onto the next. Well, what's next? And how are we gonna how are we gonna make it better? And how are we gonna kind of reach that next milestone or collect, climb that ladder? Um, so we work a lot on like perfectionism, really strong, healthy boundaries, learning how to, you know, derive that same uh, that same validation internally from other things besides work. 
you know, so you should be able to reach that same amount of like joy and fulfillment with kids or partners or travel or whatever that, that thing is that you like that isn't work. A lot of times you just, they just get so ingrained into the work stuff. Um, a lot of times it's also like proving yourself. I mean, let's be honest, it, it, it's a lot of, it's, it's getting better, but a lot, a lot of the execs are males. So when you're a female and you're in that role, you're really making sure that what you're, the work that you're doing is perfect, that it's better, that it's innovative, that it's, you know, all the things so that you can kind of stand out um, in this, you know, sea of what, what seems to be, uh, you know, a lot of males. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I, I find oh, there's like so many directions I'd like to go right now. But in that comment, I find a lot of times, um, even my experience working with females that are in chief marketing officer roles or COO roles, um, they almost seem to abandon their entire identity in some cases. They, they turn masculine to keep up with this masculine persona of the male dominated roles. And so that's always been really interesting to me because I'm always like, wow, I like, especially ones I knew that maybe were VPs and worked their way up. It's like, you see this huge transformation. And so that seems to be like a weird pressure. And I wonder how many folks you, um, if you do any of that work or you feel like doing that work is necessary where they're starting to like re-identify who they are to themselves again, have they lost mm -hmm. core values? Do you find that to be true a lot of the time? Yes, I do. I think we, we, we do a lot of talk about, you know, that like that internal work and, and what are your core values? And a lot of times I'll ask people, well, what are your core values? And they'll say, I don't even know. I have no idea. No one's ever asked me that before. You know, I, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what, what do I, like, what are my options? Where's my list? Where can I, where, what values can I choose from? Um, so even, you know, questions like that, those kind of like self-discovery questions, it, it is their, their identity. It, so it, it is work. It isn't like, I, this is part of me or this is part of who I am. Like th this is who I am. And all of my friends are kind of in that role group. And I, my social time is, is in that group and my travel is with that group. And, you know, I even wear the logo on the weekends because yeah. it's, you know, part of me. Um, so we, wow. yeah, I see that a lot. And then I'd love to chat a little bit about perfectionism because I think that's one of those, to me, it's the most frustrating thing because it's a metric that cannot be measured. There's no measurement for perfectionism, right? And so mm -hmm. everyone in their mind has this, what perf perfect looks like or feels like, but it doesn't ever seem to be good enough because there is no real measurement. And so what are some of the, like, what are some of the toxic habits that, um, especially executive moms can pick up with that perfectionism mindset? Like, what are they doing at work? What are some of those bad habits, I guess, that they're, that, that are causing burnout likely? Sure. Um, so working, I mean, obviously working really long hours, um, just thinking like if they work more, it will be better. Mm. Um, not outsourcing and not delegating, not trusting their teams, so even if they have the brightest of the bright, you know, on their team, really feeling like they have to be that last check mark, or they have to be the one to finish the project, or they have to be the one to give their seal of approval, or they have to be the one to kind of make sure it's all perfect before it gets sent off to whoever the board or the directors or something. So a lot of like chain of command is, is getting halted and stopped because the, you know, executive mom feels like, okay, I have to be my perfectionism is showing up. Um, or a lot of times you're, you're, you're doing work over and over and over 
So you'll complete something, you'll look it over. Well, this isn't perfect. This isn't, it, it could be better. So kind of going through, let's say 55 rounds of edits to get through like one thing. So it, it really slows down the process. It really makes people not as productive as they would like to think that they are. Um, it was huge. Yeah, that is. And in just hearing you talk, and I know from my own experience with burnout and, and working with clients, it's so interesting because when you're in the moment of doing all these things, you are making choices, you know, like we're making the choices to do these things because we're going to do X, we're going to reach X and get where we need to go. But then when you get to the rock bottom of burnout or you're in stage five and you're like desperately trying to come up for air, I think we forget that like a lot of the times our choices are sort of why we're in this position. And so I guess from your perspective, like what is the balance between um, helping somebody make better choices or recognize the choices they're making and then, and then stuff that might lead to burnout that's out of their control? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, we, we know that a lot of times it isn't the job, right? But yeah. sometimes it is, yes. right? So we have to, you know, I have to know what exactly is going on in that role. And once we kind of eliminate the stuff that we can control, the deriving, the internal validation from other places, the boundaries, the perfectionism, shifting through all of that, and it's still like then then at some point we do have to talk about is is it the job you know is this a toxic work environment is this culture not aligning with what you want to do is this really something that we need to talk about moving elsewhere but a lot of times it doesn't sometimes it gets to that but a lot of times it doesn't sometimes we can kind of maneuver through that with those um I always find that a lot of times when you when you talk to people about like what to do about burnout, everybody starts in with the coping skills, with the strategies, with the tangibles, or like I said, like turn off your notifications yeah. and yeah, yeah. Close, your, close your door. Everybody and, wants a tip. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants a pro tip. <laughs> and those are fine and those are great. And but those those are secondary. Yes. The primary is so so much more internal, right? It's like how we're approaching our lives in general and then how are we approaching work, right? So if you're gonna think of like an inverted triangle. Like the top part is all of your, your themes and your behaviors and like how you're approaching things. And that bottom part of the triangle is going to be your tangibles. So I don't even want to talk about any tangibles until we do the values exercise, until we understand, you know, how, how do you derive your value? Um, how are, you know, how do you, how can you, are you, do you know how to be mindful at all, present at all? Or are you always thinking about what's happening tomorrow or next year or next quarter? We have to learn that. So there's, there's so many just like foundational skills to approach and learn before we jump into the what to do about it. I am so glad that you just brought that up because for me, that is so frustrating. Even if we talk back to the information out there, there is really not a blog that's going to be able to solve burnout. And I really get frustrated because even in my own journey, when I started to peel the layers back, peel the layers back, even my, um, even my running was a toxic behavior because mm -hmm. as I started to see stalls 
in the work side, I was still, I, I mean, I kind of identify with the persona you mentioned earlier. I am the high achiever. I was mm-hmm. the one that's like next one, next one, next one. So when the work would stall, I would literally take all of that like toxic behavior, all of those, I'd move it over to my running and be like, mm-hmm. I'm signing up for a race because I need that dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to run through a finish line and get that. And then you, then you start to go, wow, well, running clock causes inflammation. And this stress from the work causes inflammation, right? Now I'm literally, I'm getting sicker because Mm -hmm. of my exercise, Mm -hmm. right? So -hmm. there's just so much more like peeling back the onion that like people just don't understand. They just think it's like, well, I'm going to take a couple bubble baths and, uh, you know, I'm going to just, yep. I'm going to just get a massage and I'm going to get a mani-pedi and that should, that should fix it. Right. Yeah. Or, or then you see those, you know, those job hopping, right? Like, well, it yes. must be the job and then I quit and then it must be the job. So I quit and then I find another job and it's, it's my manager and it's my boss and it's my board and it's the things. Right. And then it's like, you see these like yep. women who like, they've been, you know, I don't know, in 10 jobs over the past, you know, several years, because it's just, it's so, I mean, let's face it. It's easier to say it's the job, right? It's easier to say, well, this is not a great job, not a good place. I don't want to be here. And that's fine. You can stay there, but that, that then will kind of continue that cycle of burnout. It'll put you right back into that pattern. Yeah. The, um, the victim mentality that's Mm. present in burnout, like my boss made me take this meeting. I have to, you know, you Blake completely putting the accountability on everything else. Mm. That's huge. And that alone is a huge layer to break through. Yes. Yes. Huge. Glad we, glad we got to, glad we got that out of the way. I am really glad. Now I'd like to chat a little bit about kids. I know in some of my interviews lately, um, folks have been asking me, do I think that kids can get burnt out? And like, absolutely. I think I actually was a burnt out kid now that I look back, right? You, you unfortunately learn everything in hindsight, but, um, I'm wondering with the high achieving moms, do you, do you see that maybe kids or we can even make a hypothesis here that it's that the kids of high achieving moms might be more prone to burnout in earlier years? I, I mean, I definitely think that we can hypothesize that. Um, a lot of what's interesting about working with high achieving women who are experiencing burnout is that they, they're usually pretty insightful. So usually they will... They might not know the word for it, but they know that they're experiencing something that they don't want to experience. And, and a lot of them will say to me, I don't want to put this on my kids. Like, I don't want to feel this way. And I don't, and I need to do something about it because I don't want to feel, I don't want them to feel like they have to do X, Y, Z. But I do notice, you know, a lot of, um, you know, high achieving women with the kids who are also, you know, feeling like they have to achieve all of the things, you know, go to all the activities and be part of all the clubs and kind of be just extra engaged and involved in order to kind of start reaching these milestones, these like success milestones that they've seen so frequently in their parent. Yeah. I wonder um, if there, there should be a movement where parents like actually, you know, cause I think it's a natural thing for a parent to be always praising the things that the child does well, or they bring home the good grade. And so that's great. And you give them all this praise and then they join these clubs and they play sports. And so I almost wonder now if we shouldn't, knowing our culture and the way that it's continuing to go in that busy direction, if we shouldn't be kind of taking the lead to say, Hey, I'm going to praise you for rest. 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to praise you for slowing down today and just sitting, do, you know, and resting, right? Like wanting to take a rest day. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we have, I have a a rule in my house. I have two little ones and they are, they're each allowed to do one activity at a time, one day a week. I love it. I mean, that's it. That's that's all we're going to do. And like, have they asked to do it more often? Sure. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm a bad mom for saying no, but there's, there's only so much we can do in a week. And I mean, you know, we're not training for the Olympics here. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're in their little sport and they like it. And and it's a one day a week after school. And that's, you know, what we're going to manage. And I also think that, that, that keeps you, if, if, you know, if you're that overachieving mom, that one that's working like crazy, that keeps you from over committing the kids to continue to push that busy, busy, busy lifestyle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's an awesome tip. One time a week. That's my pro tip. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, I think everybody can implement that. I mean, that seems really fair. <laughs> That's a behavioral change. Right. That's great. Um, okay. So um, out the women listening, their moms in leadership, if they want to start coming up for air, we just talked about really there's no pro tips, but what are some of the habits and behaviors that they can be more aware of if they're just looking to come? I think the thing with burnout folks don't understand is that it is really hard to even do the work because you feel like you're suffocating. Yes. And so it's like, first you have to come up for air and be like, okay, there's a problem. I've got to change some behaviors and this has got to end. And mm-hmm. so what are, whatever, what are your tips for the executive mom that needs to come up for air? Okay. I would say outsource and delegate. Okay. Do it. I mean, and that doesn't, even if it's too hard to start like at work, do it in your home life, whatever that looks like. If that means somebody picking up the kids from school or getting your groceries delivered or hiring a cleaning person. I mean, just, just something to take something off your plate, even if it's little, even if it's tiny, um, do that delegate outsource huge, um, really moving toward the things that a lot of times when we're behaviorally, like trying to stop doing something, we put up a lot of energy into like the thing that we're trying to stop. So my advice would be kind of swing the pendulum to the other side and, and start doing the things that you are missing. So if, if you're don't like, I'm not going to try to stop working really hard. I'm going to try to work less. And here's all the things I'm going to do to try to work less. We're going to do the exact opposite. Like try to do more of the things that bring you joy and fulfillment and reconnect with those things. So make it a point to do something with the family or, or see, you know, a friend or go out, you know, with your partner, like just something that's not work. And once you start to like force yourself into those behavioral situations that elicit more like happiness and joy, your body and your brain will naturally want to do them more. So you'll make more of an effort to kind of swing over a little bit to that side and start doing those things a little bit more. I mean, obviously strong, healthy boundaries, that's going to be huge. And I know sometimes that takes work and practice and diligence, but that's huge and learning how to say no. People pleasing? No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to learn how to say no and appropriately and graciously and, and in a kind way and professionally. And it's going to be so liberating and so, so freeing. Liberating. <laughs> oh my gosh. I also think boundaries, I think burnout, obviously, you know, this, this stuff, this takes work. Mm-hmm. I would say that maybe on average, it's, I see 12 weeks where folks are really starting to make some big gains, mm-hmm. but I think boundaries are instant gratification. Yes. When you actually put a boundary in place and you take your control back, you get some instant gratification from that. So they're great to like layer in as you're doing this deeper work, you know? 
Yes, I know. So sometimes I'll start talking about boundaries and my clients will be like, oh, I can never do that. I can never do that. You know, I can't say that. And then once they start and try, they'll be like, I set the best boundary and listen to, <laughs> listen to what this, listen to what I did. <laughs> yeah. It's like self-confidence is just yes. like growing so rapidly. I know. I love that. I love that part about burnout work because yeah, there's such great instant gratification mm -hmm. and feedback. Um, I also really loved your swing the pendulum. Um, example, because I know for me, and I know a lot of folks that are um, trying to slow their life down in, in the, on the work side of things, they suddenly then have maybe some time that they need to fill. And for me, I feel like the brain continues to create chaos when we're mm -hmm. in those environments. Like you're, I, I, I would find myself literally wanting to pick up the same things I knew led me to burnout because I was like, oh my gosh, I got to fill this time. Right. So I love the idea that you were like, focus on the things that you have been lacking or not doing enough of that you really want to do. Do you encourage your clients to like make a list of those or take a, take some time to really think about how they're spending their time and what they want to spend their time on so they can identify those things? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so we've done on um, like, like little time studies before, um, you know, where I'll just say, you know, okay, just casually, we're going to do like a pie chart. Okay, how much time are you spending for yourself? I mean, 0.1%, you know? And, and what usually happens during this exercise is that the women usually are recognizing, okay, it's 94% work or something that has to do with work. And once they sometimes like seeing it visually, um, it's pretty eye-opening. Very interesting. One question before we do our final two. Um, just curious about this one, actually. And I figure, like, why not educate the listeners if you have an answer for it? But, you know, there are varying types of burnout. Do you ever find that you have anyone on the executive spectrum that's not in overload, that they might be in more of that, like, um, under they're they're kind of like underwhelmed or they're not moving up fast enough? And so they're kind of in this burnout rut. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think sometimes like you, you, you hit a plateau in your career, right. In your professional life. And so you're like, okay, this is it. Or I'm not sure how to get to the next spot or like that imposter syndrome kicks in and you're like, okay, this is me. I'm only going to be, you know, whatever VP, I could never make it to CEO as well. I'm just going to be fine being here. So yes, yeah, so a lot of times people get almost like the opposite of the overload burnout, which is kind of stuck. Yeah. You know, feeling stuck like this is my life now, right? I've made it to this step and okay, I guess here I am for the next 35 years. And that can also be pretty overwhelming. That's so funny because that's a common, um, that's a common statement on both sides of burnout is I'm stuck here. This is going to be my life for the next 35 years, whether it's mm -hmm. overloaded or underwhelming. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think when you hit that point of either I'm going to be here or I'm going to be there, but for whatever, whatever this is, I feel like I don't like it, but I feel like I'm stuck here and I'm trapped and I'm in jail for the next 35 years. It's just such an overwhelming feeling that you yeah. get paralyzed Yeah, and really yeah. aren't sure where to go from there. Mm -hmm. It feels very much like I would assume quicksand would be like, you mm -hmm. know, you're just constantly going down, but you're trying to get up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting too, because it feels like now just, and this is, I have like no data to prove this. It's just listening over the last year with working with so many groups of corporate employees. It's like everybody's on one end or the other. If there's a spectrum, they're either in the boredom spectrum or they're burnt out when really they should be right in the middle somewhere, right? Where mm -hmm. they've got like a 
little bit of balance and then, you know, a little bit of stuff going mm -hmm. on here that's not work. And then they're doing like their high productivity work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there really is one side or the other. It's just the weirdest time to be alive. It is. It is. It is wild. I mean, the, the way we work is really oh, yeah. challenging. It is. It's wild. Okay. Well, you've given so many great tips. And again, I appreciate you giving not the pro tips, but the actual uh, behavior change um, tips. So that's fantastic. But like we always do for final two, um, the first one is what is one thing you used to value that you no longer value? People pleasing. Oh, yes. Yes. Were you a people pleaser? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I thought that that was just be accommodating and, you know, be agreeable and, you know, not cause too much conflict and you'll, you know, eventually get where you want to get. And now no more. <laughs> I think people pleasing is the, the hijacker of the authentic self. You like say Ooh, like yes that. to things you, you know, you say yes to things mm -hmm. you would never dare. You become like a fraud to yourself when you're people pleasing. Yes. It's just wild. Yes. Right. Yes. Agreed. I love that you said that. Gosh. And then lastly, what bit of advice would you give? Um, would you tell the younger Alex? That I, 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 I this is a hard one. Okay. Um, but I think I would say that, you know, you really, it's being uncomfortable with something won't harm you. Um, it's really okay to be in that place of feeling uncomfortable with something or learning something new or um, starting a new business or moving across the country or whatever that thing is that feeling uncomfortable is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable because without feeling uncomfortable, you are never going to change. Oh, yes. You can't grow and be comfortable, really. I mean, otherwise, right. I'm not sure you're doing it right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, awesome. Okay. Well, last thing, um, tell the listeners a little bit about what you're up to, where they can keep um, connected with you if they want to work with you and, and all of that. Sure. So I, um, I'm on all the social media channels. So I'm on um, Instagram at uh, talk to Alex Stark, also on Facebook at Alex Stark Coaching. I do have um, a private Facebook group for moms in executive leadership. Um, that's under, you can just search it in the groups. Um, that's all a really cool way for women and who are like-minded who want to get support. Um, we have a lot of cool kind of challenges happening in there and lots of information, um, all really moms and executive leadership supporting moms. Um, I am developing a um, hybrid executive coaching and burnout recovery slash prevention program. It is a 12-week program specifically designed for moms who are in executive leadership to become more balanced leaders, reduce chaotic thinking, decrease the mom guilt, reconnect with their family and kids, um, all without giving up their career. So that is that is live. It is happening. Um, it is ready. Um, I am accepting new clients now. Fantastic. Oh my gosh, that sounds so exciting. And wish I would have had that program when I was going through burnout. I think that would have been amazing. Plus it's 12 weeks and we know it takes time to change. We have to be patient. Yes. Yes. And it's, 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 it's really interesting. It's, um, it's a group coaching model. So yeah. it is with, um, other women who are kind of going through the same thing. So it's, you know, uh, video calls every couple times a week, plus paired with, um, a self-paced online curriculum. I love that. And I will say one thing I've learned too in the corporate setting is that sometimes 
But while we think burnout coaching should be one-to-one, a lot of times it's more effective in a group because it is so refreshing to hear other people experiencing what you're experiencing because burnout does cause isolation. Mm -hmm. You want everybody to think you have it together and you are like crumbling and deteriorating inside. And so I just think that's so beautiful that people can be like, have a community to work with while they're going through this tough time. So good job for that. And I can't wait to send people there. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. This has been fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for all of your wisdom. Alrighty. A couple of things before we wrap up today that I just want to really highlight. Um, If you are that mom that is just making excuses why you can't put yourself first, um, you are definitely going to burn out. It is guaranteed. And so I encourage you to find that little sliver of time that you can carve out for yourself right now that is just like your time. It is the way that you're going to slow down. You're going to focus up, focus on things that you want to do for yourself and show your kids that you can do so. Um, I think it's so important. The other thing I'll say is one of the statements that really was um, such an eye opener that Alex said today was when she said that the some of these women that have gone all the way to the top of the, the ranks in a company, which we look at and say, wow, they must be successful, saying that they're so desperate, they would rather be a greeter at Walmart. That's the true um, depths of the way that burnout deteriorates our emotional, mental, and physical health. And um, you become so desperate and alone and feel like there is no other way. And so I just want you to know that you definitely do need help and there are ways to get help. Um, but also you're not alone. And so I just want anybody out there to be that's feeling this way to know that you're not alone. And it's just going to take a few steps, pulling yourself out of the quicksand of burnout, getting some air and trying to figure out like what do the next steps look like for you to get your time back, to get your energy back, and to sort of restore your being. And so I think Alex brings up a lot of good points today on like she was really great about illustrating sort of what it feels like to be trapped in burnout. With that said, if you need to connect with me, please reach out to me on Instagram at Project Amy or at Life on My Terms podcast. You can also email me at info at personalbestcoaching.net. I'm going to have all of Alex's information also linked up in the show notes. And so if you are a mom in executive leadership that's looking for some guidance, um, she is definitely a great source to give you that guidance. And so please feel free to connect with her. She is available and I will have everything linked up. In the meantime, please take care of yourselves. Know that you're not alone. And it is time to take your life on your terms. Live it the way that you want to live it. And I'll catch you next time.